Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Thursday, February 29th. Happy Leap Day. My original plan was not to even jump on this, but several problems jumped out at me. So I took a leap of faith and jumped on the bandwagon. But this holiday has nothing to do with frogs, kangaroos, or Van Halen's jump. You remember back in kindergarten when they told you there was 365 days to a year and you believed them? Well, it was all lies. There's actually 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and change. But Bible y'all Paul, you ask. Why should I care about a piddly quarter day a year? Stop bothering me with this. Well, cause in 4 years, you'll be a day behind, that's why. And you'll miss opening day of dove season and the Super Bowl. So, every 4 years, we add a day to get back on track. But Bible y'all Paul, you ask. That little bit of lanyap at the end of the year is 11 minutes shy of 6 hours. Wouldn't a leap day put us 44 minutes ahead? That's a good catch, I answer. We are a 300th off. That's why years that are divisible by 100, but not 400, don't get a leap day. Thus, 1900 was not a leap year, but 2000 was. And all this calendar algebra, hey, new band name, write that down, has been known to really freak out poorly programmed computers. And if that ain't bad enough, cause the Earth's rotation is slowing down, every now and then they gotta add a leap second to the clock. It's about every thousand days, but the clock people don't follow any real schedule. They just do it when whatever faction is in power makes them. Clock people are very political. There's a lot of intrigue. The last time they did it was in 2016, and I still can't get my sleep patterns back right. Thing is though, the Bible in a year reading schedule we've been following don't have no leap day on it. So I got no reading for today. But rather than leave y'all hanging, here's what we're gonna do. Catholic Old Testaments have seven extra books in them and extra chapters in Daniel and Esther. These were in the original translation of the Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint that they used at the time of Christ. The King James also had this stuff originally, but they took it out because it wasn't in the original Hebrew Old Testament. It was a whole big thing. And I'm not going to read all that, but I am going to read y'all one interesting passage from Daniel. And then we'll discuss it, and then we'll do our 30-second meditation and knock off early. Cool? So our reading for Leap Day, which may or may not even be a real day, is Daniel chapter 14, which may or may not even be real Bible. And we're going to read it out of the Jerusalem Bible, which is a way easier read than the King James, which it ain't in anyway. So, here we are. Our reading for Leap Day is chapter 14 of Daniel in the Jerusalem Bible. When King Astyages joined his ancestors, Cyrus of Persia succeeded him. Daniel was very close to the king who thought more of him than any other of his friends. Now in Babylon there was an idol called Bel, to which twelve bushels of the finest flour, forty sheep, and six measures of wine were offered every day. The king took part in this cult and used to go and worship the idol every day. Daniel, however, worshipped his own god. Why do you not worship Bel? the king asked Daniel. I do not worship idols made by the hands of men, Daniel replied. I worship the living God who made heaven and earth and who has power over all living creatures. You believe then, said the king, that Bel is not a living God? Can you not see how much he eats and drinks every day? Daniel laughed. My king, he said, do not be taken in. He is clay inside and bronze outside and has never eaten or drunk anything. This made the king angry. He summoned his priests. 
Tell me who eats all this food, he said, or die. Prove to me that Bel really eats it, and I will have Daniel put to death for blaspheming him. Daniel said to the king, Let it be as you say. There were seventy of these priests to say nothing of their wives and children. The king went to the temple of Bel, taking Daniel with him. The priests of Bel said to him, We are now withdrawing, as you can see, but we will leave you, O king, to set out food and prepare the wine and leave it there. Then you can shut the door and seal it with your own seal. If, when you return in the morning, you do not find that everything has been eaten by Bel, then let us be put to death. If not, then Daniel that slanderer. They were thinking, hence their confidence, of a secret entrance which they had made under the table, by which they came in daily and took the offerings away. When the priests had gone and the king had set out the food for Bel, Daniel made his servants bring ashes and spread them all over the temple floor, with no other witness than the king. Then they left the building, shut the door, and sealing it with the king's seal, went away. That night, as usual, the priests came with their wives and children. They ate and drank everything. The king was up very early the next morning. So was Daniel. Daniel, said the king, are the seals intact? They are intact, O king, he replied. The king then opened the door and taking one look at the table, exclaimed, You are great, O Bell, there is no deception in you. But Daniel laughed, and restraining the king from going further in, he said, Look at the floor, and examine these footprints. I can see footprints of men, of women, and of children, said the king, and angrily ordered the priests to be arrested with their wives and children. They showed him then the secret door through which they used to come and remove what was on the table. The king had them put to death, and handed Bel over to Daniel, who destroyed both the idol and its temple. There was a big dragon in Babylon, and this was worshipped too. The king said to Daniel, You are not going to tell me that this is no more than bronze. Look, it is alive, it eats and drinks. You cannot deny that this is a living God. Worship it then. Daniel replied, I worship the Lord my God. He is the living God. With your permission, O king, without using either sword or club, I will kill this serpent. You have my permission, said the king. Whereupon Daniel took some pitch, some fat, and some hair, and boiled them up together, rolled the mixture into balls, and fed them to the dragon. The dragon swallowed them and burst. Daniel said, Now look at the sort of thing you worship. The Babylonians were furious when they heard about this, and began intriguing against the king. The king has turned Jew, they said. He has allowed Bel to be overthrown, and the dragon to be killed, and he has put the priest to death. So they went to the king and said, Hand Daniel over to us, or else we will kill you and your family. They pressed him so hard that the king found himself forced to hand Daniel over to him. They threw Daniel into the lion pit, and there he stayed for six days. In the pit were seven lions, which were given two human bodies and two sheep every day. But for this period, they were not given anything to make sure they would eat Daniel. Now the prophet Habakkuk was in Judea. He had been making a stew and breaking up bread small to put in a basket. He was on his way to the fields, taking this to the harvesters, when the angel of the Lord spoke to him. Take the meal you are carrying to Babylon and give it to Daniel in the lion pit. Lord, replied Habakkuk, I have not even seen Babylon and I know nothing about this pit. The angel of the Lord seized his head and carried him off by the hair to Babylon, where, with a great thrust of his spirit, he set Habakkuk down on the edge of the pit. Daniel, Daniel, Habakkuk shouted, take the meal that God has sent you. And Daniel said, You have kept me in mind, O God. You have not deserted those who love you. Rising to his feet, he ate the meal while the angel of God lost no time in returning Habakkuk to his own country. On the seventh day, the king came to lament over Daniel. On reaching the pit, he looked inside, and there was Daniel quite unperturbed. You are great, O Lord God of Daniel, he exclaimed. There is no God but you. 
Then he released Daniel from the pit and had the plotters of Daniel's ruin thrown in instead where they were instantly eaten before his eyes. And that's our reading for Leap Day. Okay, so that was our special Leap Day reading. And we're not to the book of Daniel yet, but he was a prophet of God held captive in Babylon and was a fairly high-ranking servant of King Cyrus by this time. They were actually buddies. So what's going on here is the Babylonians had this bronze statue that they would offer food to, and it would apparently eat these offerings, but only overnight in a private room of some kind. So, you know, sure it would. Sounds like a scam to me, but whatever you say. And King Cyrus was a part of this cult, and can't figure out why Daniel ain't want to get in on it with him. But Dan's like, nah, I'm good. But Daniel, how can you say this janky homemade statue ain't really a god when it eats up all the food every night? So Dan's like, well, watch this, king, and spreads ashes all over the floor and busts out the priest coming in through a secret door and stealing all the food, which spun King Cyrus up into levels of anger he didn't even know he had, and he has them all killed for running a scam on him. So the Babylonians also had a dragon in a cage that they worshipped, and the king's like, Daniel, you ain't going to try to tell me this is only bronze, are you? And Daniel's like, no, but still ain't a god. And King's like, prove it, which is just what Dan was waiting for him to say. So he mixes up some tar, probably to poison it, with a little bit of fat, so it tastes good, and some hair, which won't digest. And he feeds this concoction to the thing, and he poisons it and kills it to prove it wasn't a god. And the Babylonian priests did not like this. And they bullied the king into throwing Daniel into a lion pit. So Habakkuk, who was another prophet and an angel, brought Daniel some food from Judea to sustain him while he was in the lion's den. Turns out Daniel's fine in the lion's den. And the king lets him out and has the plotters of his ruin thrown in instead. Now, a lot of this seems fishy to me from the jump. See what I did there? Cause of leap day. But I read this chapter for a reason. Now, we have four choices about it. Either it's biblical canon or it's just plain history, or it's an inaccurate retelling of events, or it's purely made-up hogwash. And I've got a couple reasons to be skeptical of this passage. Number one, do we really believe the king of the world at that time believed a bronze statue actually ate the food they offered? I mean, it seems obvious to me, unless it was common back then for them fake god statues to be haunted, which ain't really that far-fetched. A lot of people today believe in haunted houses or spirits inhabiting dolls, or that crystals have power, or that statues weep blood, or that politicians are honest, or that men and women are totally interchangeable, or that a senile old man who's incompetent to stand trial can still be president. Of course, you know, given the caliber of our elected officials, that last one's probably true. And B, if they really had a pinned-up dragon, wouldn't it obviously not be a god? I mean, just the fact that they captured it kind of disproves that theory, don't it? But what blows my mind is, what y'all reckon it actually was? Like some kind of large reptile? Giant crocodile, maybe? I mean, probably not, because it'd have to be significantly unusual to warrant worship as a living god. So maybe it's something that's now extinct. Like maybe some kind of dinosaur. Which is not that far-fetched either. Noah could have brought some of them with him on the ark. You wouldn't have to bring the biggest ones you could find. You could bring babies or eggs. Plus, there's thousands of stories about dragons and other cryptids from every culture in history. And they're all the time finding critters they thought was extinct. The coelacanth is a good example, which is a lobe-thin fish that they thought died out a bazillion years ago until they caught a live one off of Madagascar back in the early 90s, I think it was. 
And I'm not saying any of this was any of that, and I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not even saying this is canon or even historical. If I get to heaven and find out I was wrong about this dragon thing, it's not a deal breaker for me. I'm actually trying to make a larger point. That skepticism is healthy. You should never take anything anybody says for granted. Not that you shouldn't be trusting necessarily, but don't put your faith in anything or anybody without at least trying to prove it out first. That's not possible for everything, but you can extrapolate from what you know. And a lot of folks will call themselves skeptics because they reject the Bible, or because they don't believe Jesus was the Christ, or whatever. There are zillions of variations of that. But rejecting anything out of hand, no matter what it is, is not real skepticism. That's religiosity. A true skeptic is just as skeptical about his own beliefs as he is about yours or mine. I'm skeptical about everything, especially my own beliefs. Because, and I know this is hard to believe, but I've been wrong about stuff. Like a lot. But that doesn't matter. The Bible is either true or it's not. Jesus is the Christ or he's not. And what I think is irrelevant. Just because I say it's true, don't make it true. And just because you say it ain't, don't make it not. Either way, you're going to want to verify it. And you can do that several ways. Through fulfilled prophecy. Archaeology can verify the Bible. Scientific accuracy. The Bible is the only holy book that's scientifically accurate. Do that study sometime. Or through personal revelation of God, which most of us have a little bit of if you follow God long enough. Or you can just live your life as if it were true and see if what it says will happen happens. Meditate on that for a while. One way I know it's true is the level of sheer hatred most people have for it and the people who follow it. You don't see that for other religions. Like, Hamas ain't digging tunnels into Scientology headquarters and killing 1,500 of them at a time, for example. Andrew Clavin says one way he knows the Bible is true is the farther you stray from it, the closer you get to death. For example, we've been talking about sexuality in Leviticus. What if we all followed God's rules about sexuality? How much of our cultural hellscape would disappear? I mean, there'd be no venereal disease, no broken homes, no prostitution, no rape, no pornography, no child trafficking, no BDSM, no Me Too casting couch, no abortion, no pedophilia, no hebophilia, no ephebophilia, no paraphilias of any kind, really, no divorce, no spousal abuse, no Epstein Island, and that's just what I can think of off the top of my head. And that's if we followed just that one rule. So, anyway, that was our special Leap Day episode. We'll get everything back on track tomorrow. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Matthew 6.33, which says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on what's really important, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, we pray for your guidance to not seek after materialistic things, nor be tempted by desires of the flesh. We ask your help to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and we know that everything else that we need will be provided us. Lord, help us to reject the carnal and the worldly and all that is not your will for us. We pray for righteousness to motivate all our actions, not our self-will. Please create in us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yallin' I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, what I need is for y'all to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. But if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you ain't going to make things any better, just refrain from making them worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. When King Astyages joined his ancestors, Cyrus of Persia succeeded him. That car's coming back.